Kenny Clark, and this is Lombardi's Bar. This is one of my favorite podcasts to do. I'm just, you know, blessed and thankful to be a part of this podcast. You know, it's a great podcast, it's a great interview. Maybe I know that you guys obviously be in um, the best Packers podcast that's out there. I had Malort this weekend, so I'm not tasting anything. Oh, no. good he did. God. He did. That was fantastic. Because I said, did you ever try Malort? And I said, no. And then I said, do you want to take a shot of Malort? I said, no, but I did. Wait, who said it's called, uh, it's called Peer Pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to get in a high honors English class once. And they called my parents and were like, hey, just tell him he can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it shows. It really shows. I hate you guys so much. I'm going to throw these two guys into the screen so that if I die, they can carry on the legacy of crap that is this show. And Green Bay Packer fans to another edition of Lombardi's Bar. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're new here, take a second, go ahead, hit subscribe on the YouTube channel so you get notified every time that we go live here at Lombardi's Bar and all of our other shows across the game on Wisconsin YouTube network. Give us a like, share us, pop in the chat, say what's up, let us know you're here. We got a great show for you today. Um, as you can tell by the, the clip art there, Former Green Bay Packer defensive tackle and all-around badass Mike Daniels is going to be joining us here in a little bit. Um, before we get to that, though, we're waiting for him to join us. Let's bring in Todd and Jimmy. Guys, yeah. how are we feeling? How was the bye week? How did it treat you, boys? It's it's weird. I felt like not having Packers football on Sunday for, was it, three weeks in a row now has been yeah. uh, strange, but... Also, Strange, I didn't have to worry about anything. Oddly calming, yes. Yeah. Oddly calming. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those. There were several times on Sunday that I was just like looking around. Like there's something I'm supposed to be doing. Bye week hits me <laughs> like that every year. And I feel like this is the first year in a while. I guess it, it really didn't last year. But there was a couple year stretch where the Packers by coincided with the end of the Brewers season. So it was off by a week this year, but there was, so I had like a, a big gap in which I didn't have to pay attention to any sports. Mm -hmm. uh, what's up? I would Joe. Uh, so it was, uh, it's going to be weird trying to get back into it, but guys buckle in. It's a hell of a stretch of football. We got in front of us. Like, no, <laughs> we're, we're in this till January now. It's yeah. It's been a while since I can remember having an, a super early bye week like this. We could have had it last year. Like well, last year, we could have had it. Had been, it could have been the same time. Matt. Yeah. Um, yeah. You probably yeah. messed that one up. I mean, it, it's a weird start of the season where the it's an early bye week. But like we said, there's been three Sundays in a row with no Packer football. They're still playing games just not on Sundays when you're expecting it. And it's really thrown like, it's like, you know, when like, uh, like Christmas falls on like a Saturday. And so you have like Friday off and then you also have Monday off. And then, but then it goes into new year's. So you've it got goes into like new year's and you're like, you're all messed up. That's what this feels like. Um, I still feel like last year, every year before the buy, especially mm -hmm. like when it's been late, we're all, every time we say like, oh, we really need this bye week because of all these injuries. But it was this, even though we had an early bye week, like that was the same sentiment right now of like, 
we need this bye week because our team is is so hurt and it's only week we only got to week six like that's the part that makes me a little bit nervous is there's just so many injuries and we're not even to the longest stretch of football yet yeah yeah that is that is going to be tricky um however though i will say um I think having the bye week early for this team, injuries or not, is probably the best because I think this team especially clearly needed like a pause to like stop, sit all the young kids down and say you basically just had like an extended preseason the first five weeks. We all saw what's going wrong. Let's... Let's tie our shoelaces back together. Let's all get back out there. Hello, Jasmine. Jimmy, Jimmy do you want to take a second and apologize to Jasmine? For what? <laughs> I, I'm not going to say for what because you're going to make up something <laughs> that really bad. I'm going to make up. She's the reason you that she left – or you're the reason she left the show. I would like to take this moment to apologize for defending Todd when I shouldn't have. Um, I should have just let him be. Okay, he's not going to take it serious. We're just going to mute him. <laughs> I apologize for him, Jasmine. Once, once again, <laughs> I've learned. But I, I think I think early buy, early buy helps this team kind of reset. Professional just stays, <laughs> stays right on. He's he's answered so many January six questions. He knows how to change the subject. I know how to just keep plugging along, baby. <laughs> just <laughs> head down. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you and your buddy Max touch base after the Packers Raiders game? I know you guys were close. What did Max do? Didn't you see the picture of Jimmy and or of, of Dan and Max Crosby at, on January sixth? <laughs> no, but I want to now. I'll send it to you. Thank you. It's an ex expert expert Photoshop job. I mean, it, it's. Chef, chef's kiss. Yeah, Photoshop. Oh yeah, I was. <laughs> it's right there. How pumped are you? Were you rooting for Joey Bosa after the scuffle of the Browns and 49ers when he said he said things a person like him shouldn't say? Were you Team Browns or Team 49ers? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, hold on. This is this is a real life. This is a real life pause. I didn't know. Did he actually say? We don't know what he said. We know the quarterback of the Browns said he said things someone like that shouldn't say. So it got very personal. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. What does he mean, someone like that? Right, Dan? <laughs> right, right. I think we I think we all know what he's not supposed to say. <laughs> We're picking up what he's putting down. <laughs> I think I think maybe he deserved to get the uh once again, straight white men being targeted. Scared. Preach the it, brother. Scared. And that's right when Mike Daniels comes in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> oh, um, well, do we want to? I mean, there's there's really not much to discuss here before we jump into to buy around. Yeah, let's just Pay jump on tab, everyone. Just comes jump in. right. We'll just jump right into by around when uh, when Mike joins us here. We'll yeah. We'll he mentioned his uh, his kids' football practice is ending a little bit before the show started, so he'll hop oh, out. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's jump into let's jump into by around here. And then Jimmy, why don't you kick us off? Why don't you buy around for somebody? 
Yes, because I remember who I put. Um, I'm going to go ahead and buy a round. Great pause. Uh, I'm actually going for the defense. Shocked me. I forgot I put them there. Uh, we give them a lot of shit. And again, yes, it's like that Preston Smith screenshot of him somehow guarding Devontae. It's more learned. than a screenshot. There's a whole video. The whole video. But I mean like that play, that picture of him having that to guard Devontae. Amazingly made the offense only score 13 points. Yeah. Which, uh, again, on Barry for not having to check out of that play. But in reality, like this drought really – these games hasn't been so much on the defense. These last two specifically, like we, mm, well, the line. So it's Lions the bad, game, yes. it's the bad play calling by Joe Barry on like three plays a game. That's forcing the offense not to put points on the board. So I'm going to go, over this last week. Damn. I know, I know, yeah. but I, I have to, I, I am so fucking take. mad that this is the reality of this show right now. Well, no, I'm just I saying Lions, so Lions game. We terrible. can go back to talking about January 6th. Yeah. Saints game. They gave up 10 points. Raiders game, they didn't – like the offense put up, what, 13 points. So it's just like – because you, as Jair said, yeah. they just can't allow touchdowns because the offense isn't – if offense is still finding its mojo. But at this point, if an NFL team is averaging what they're doing right now, like that's not that bad. It's just our offense isn't clicking. And that's going to go into my – like pay the tab in a little bit. But like the defense hasn't been the biggest problem. The Lions game, big blunder. The fourth quarter against the Falcons, you can still put a lot of that on the offense going three and out so much in that fourth quarter. But at, still to that, the defense needed to step up and make a stop. They didn't. But I, I still think Joe Barry needs to be done after this year just because of this long stretch. But I mean, the players as a whole, we've seen a lot of people step up that like Darnell Savage is somebody, Quay Walker made a huge step. I know he's been injured and out, but uh, the defense isn't the issue right now. And I think we have to stop just having the same rhetoric after every game, just because it's like the cool thing to do on Twitter. Okay. Here's the thing though. Okay. They are they're Yeah. They're giving up 17 points a game, 20 points a game, whatever it is. And then it's this bend don't break mentality, but when you are the defense and your bend don't break results in, an eight-minute drive that leads to a field goal or a touchdown, you're, you're taking opportunities away for your offense to actually get on the field and do something. And so let's say – Like in that Atlanta game when they let the offense get on the field and go three and out, and then – yeah, no, right. I'm not saying it's every time. I'm saying, I'm saying that we've seen multiple times with this team, this defense, you can't always be bend, don't break – and, and hold them to a field goal after a six-minute, seven-minute drive. Sometimes you have to go out there and you need to be ball-hawked. You need to be stifled. This defense doesn't stifle. They just hang tough in the words of, of Joe I, Barry. But if I, they're only giving up 13, 17, even 20 points a game, that's three to four drives that are turning into points. That's not you, like every possession is a seven-minute drive. But if you don't, and their touchdowns are coming off of the the one, it was off an interception that they had great field positioning on. But if you don't give this offense opportunities to go out and score points, they can't score points. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's every single time, but you have like the defense has to be, it has to be a step above Th this type of defense. Sure, it works when it's Aaron Rodgers. And he, are you saying that they sh the defense should be winning the games? 
No, what I'm saying is that you the, said that that can't happen in today's NFL. No, what I'm saying is the defense needs to give the offense a better opportunity to go out and be successful. They don't give them this, the success to go out and be successful. That's that's my point with this defense. I I'm with you. Like I've said, I think there's going to be and needs to be a change after this year. But I just all I'm saying is the defense isn't the biggest problem right now on the team. Like that's all I'm saying is like, are they I mean, fantastic? No. Are they the biggest issue going on right now for the team? I, Absolutely not. I mean, sure, yeah. It's like if you want to say it's it's 52, 48 percent, yeah, it might not be the biggest, but the way this defense plays, it doesn't it, it doesn't help things. Yeah, no, for sure. I disagree. Sure. Okay. You think it's the biggest one? I'm not Whoa. saying it's the biggest one. No, not one. you. Sorry. He said he disagrees, so I'm following up. I, I disagree oh. that it's 48-52 oh. and that it's on the defense from where they're – it's – I think the defense has done I mean, a fine all, job. All I'm they're, saying – Again, what's, saying, what's, what's a defense in the NFL? What are they trying not to do? Let the other team score. This team does a damn good job at not letting the opponent put points on the board. Do they not? Right, but some you need but because the, the time to, of possession doesn't always like, you need the defense I feel, to elevate. I feel like we have someone else who's yes, a lot we smarter do have than someone us. That's much, much smarter. Who can answer this? Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? Can you guys hear me good? Yeah, yes, we can. Good, 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 good. Yeah, sorry about that. No, you're no, good, you're man. Good. Oh, yeah. How's Real quick, practice? Mike, we, we want to ask you the question. We you might have heard us talking about this. Is the Packers defense the biggest problem right now? Are they the biggest reason you that they're losing games? In, you know what's interesting? And Jimmy practice went well, by the way. Uh that's why we're late. It went so good we didn't stop so late. But um, so to answer your question, uh Dan. And um, by the way, thanks for all the wonderful things you guys said about me throughout the years. I just want to make sure I get that out there. Even when I was on my way out the door, it was never like a, yeah, get rid of him. It was like a, hey, man, look, a business decision had to be made. But, man, we really love the mic. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, yeah, we're better off without him type of thing. So I appreciate you guys just being so classy, you know, when I was on my way out the door. I really appreciate that, guys. So thank you so much for that. I never got a chance to thank you guys for that. You know, our local media, Green Bay Media, Packer Nation, guys that just treated me so well on my way out as playing as a Packers. I'm a Packer for life. See what I'm saying? So with that being said, it's very interesting. You know, I wasn't here before Dom, right? I got here in 2012. And even when I was gone, right, playing in Detroit, playing in Cincinnati, now I'm done playing, I, I kept my eyes on, on the Packers, obviously. And one thing that I noticed is a consistent is that Packer Nation is never satisfied with the defense. And I got to say, the defense isn't satisfied for the defense. How many years in a row? Is somebody going to have to say, man, we need to play tougher? And it's not like we don't have tough guys. We've always had tough guys. You can't be in the NFL and be a soft guy. So it's just like, what is it? Because now you're hearing the same things with the the uh, Joe Barry. That's the name, right? You're hearing the mm -hmm. same things about him that you started to hear about Penn, that you started to hear about Dom. Now. These are all guys who had a lot of success on defense outside of Green Bay. So it's just, I don't know. I don't have the answer for it. 
But I do think there is like somewhat of a culture because when I went to Detroit, when I went to Cincinnati, it was like that junkyard dog type of mentality that I grew up with that I was used to when I went to Iowa. And that's not something that I necessarily saw that was particularly welcomed in Green Bay. Now, we had junkyard dogs. The, I mean, Kevin Green was one of our coaches, for Christ's sake. Winston Moss, Mike Turgvick, those guys are psychopaths. Bless Kevin's heart. But there are three psychopaths, and I love them. And Don wasn't nothing but an old psychopath. At that point, he was old, so, you know, he couldn't get out riled up like he used to. You see what I'm saying? You know, and then we had Joe Witt, amazing defensive basketball. So I'm like, what is going on with our defense? I think about it, guys. I played on defenses with Charles Woodson, Hall of Famer. Clay Matthews, going to be Hall of Famer. Julius Peppers, Hall of Famer. A.J. Hawk, Pro Bowler. Tremont Williams, Pro Bowler. Hawk Clinton Dix, Pro Bowler. Um, uh, Micah Hyde, Pro Bowler. Casey Hayward, Pro Bowler. Sam Shields, Pro Bowler. B.J. Raji, Pro Bowler. All of these guys were on the same defense. Even me, who became a Pro Bowler as well. All these guys were on the same defense at one point. Give or take one or two throughout any year. Then we had guys like Morgan Burnett. Who should have been a pro bowler, right? Him and Brian Balaga are two guys that didn't get the recognition they deserved. And I'm sure you guys can agree. So with that being said, I'm like, how am I on that defense? And yet we're bottom 15, mid-15 defense. But I go to Cincinnati. And in my second year there, we had a bunch of guys that nobody ever heard of. And yet we're a top five defense. Something about that doesn't add up. Do you think it's something now, like you know, you see, you see, then they bought in the Smith brothers, right? Which, God, I wish I'd have stayed for that. Me, Kenny, those two guys, are kidding me? So I had a little left in the tank, golly. But the Smith brothers, right? And you got Blake screaming down the middle. You got Smash Amos. That's why that's his name on social media, right? Then you got uh, Jair coming to his uh, second year. And Tremont teaching all those young guys. And Kenny, who started, who took over as the leader of that D-line. And yet, it's the same complaints. Then we draft Rashawn Gary, who turned out to be a great player. You got Lucas Van Ness, Iowa guy, beast, right? And for the first time in a long time, you have two absolute dogs at linebacker. Walker and Campbell. I said, if those two guys were my linebacker, and all due respect to my guys, right? But I got caught in a transitional period where we had Blake, who was a rookie, and Jake, who never played a position, who was a rookie. And then Sam Barrington, who had his injuries thing. So we never could really get an established linebacker core. Now you finally got some dogs. And now it's like, they're still saying, man, we got to play tough. We got to play hard. And I'm like, what is going on? You, you see what I'm saying? Is What's it, going on? I, I, I can't put my finger on it. Is it I'm going crazy it's, thinking about it's it. It's crazy what I was playing. Say it again. Is it something where it's like almost over schemed where the guys are thinking too much about what they're supposed to be doing rather than just a reaction to going out and being a dog or, or and and attacking? So if it's over scheme, now you got to think, how do we come up with three coordinators in a row that had guys, quote unquote, over schemed? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. right. At some point, somebody's got to do something different. You know what I mean? So I don't really think it's an over scheme thing. I just, I, I really don't have the answer because when I get the answer, I'm going to call Kenny and give it to him. Because <laughs> Kenny is sounding like a young Mike Daniels who's pissed off because it's like, yo, we ain't playing hard. We ain't playing tough like that. We need more dogs. 
it makes like looking at the Lions too, like that's a team that is extremely physical right now. And like on paper, when you compared the Lions defense and like not to be disrespectful with the Lions, like they have talented defenders. But if you look at this Packers defense, like this is one that you would think would be playing at that same level because we have so much talent on the defense. So like to just go back to just a culture thing in Green Bay that has to shift. And like so for so long, we've been like I know we call the Cowboys America's team, but Green Bay has always been like top of the league. We always look for high character players, which is great, but there's almost a point where you have to kind of like let them go and let that little bit, as you said, like psychopath come out and be like, Hey, when you're on the field, be crazy. When you're off the field, be normal. Like, is there almost like a shift that has to be like happen culturally in Green Bay? So, like I, 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 so I think that has to be preached and promoted. Now I know for a fact, Mike and talking about Coach McCarthy, he loved that. Look, look how many penalties the Cowboys get, right? <laughs> but he, he encouraged that renegade attitude. We had Alonzo Highsmith and Winston Moss who played on those University of Miami teams, and they said we didn't care how many flags we got. We were going to beat the hell out of you no matter what. But we'll give up 120 yards of flags. We don't care because we're going to pummel you into oblivion. And if you're Detroit was like that, um, uh, let's uh, with uh, with Sue and Fairley. I've seen Fairley put Aaron in the headlock after the play was over, and I'm like, this is just straight child abuse at this point. That's why Josh. <laughs> that's why I sit and call them dirt bags before uh, the game in 13. You know, it's like. Um, or 14, I don't remember, but like because they played like that, they had what's the name, Vanden Boss, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Who was nuts, DeAndre Levy? I remember he smoked somebody, they would get 15. I, I promise you, it seemed like every time we played the Lions, one of our players would get knocked out the game, yeah, and they encouraged it. Now, I'm not encouraging injuries, but I'm encouraging a certain way to play the game, sure. You get what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the way Trevathan hit, uh. D- uh, Devontae in 2017, that's because he came from Denver, and that's why they won the Super Bowl, because that's how they played. That's how they intimidated that Panthers offense, who had a bunch of tough players on it. But Denver said, no, we came here, we got abused and embarrassed in the Super Bowl, so now we're going to come and do to, do to y'all what Seattle did to us. And that's why I, I, we had coaches that came over from the 49ers. And they told me straight up, and I even played with Mike Thomas, uh, the safety, special teams ace, man, in Cincinnati. And I said, yo, what was the edge you guys had on us going into those games in 2012 and 2013? And the consistent word I heard straight up was, we knew we were tougher than you guys. Yeah, You know? And that's what they were saying back then. I knew it. But people were saying that, and I would try to say that, but people kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And all I wanted to do was get everybody to have, somebody said a relative asshole score. Yes. <laughs> I wanted us to all have that. Because Matt Pickett, there you go. Because <laughs> when I went to Cincinnati, when I went to Detroit, it was, I was the quietest guy at practice. <laughs> no. I seemed like the same one <laughs> out of a bunch of those guys. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'm at home. I didn't go to Detroit to play against the Packers. I went to Detroit because I believed that Matt – so I believe what was going on with Detroit now, that's what was going to happen with Matt Patricia. But 
it, we just couldn't get it rolling. Like we couldn't get like the lineup the way that we wanted it. And it was in the middle of a change and all that. And, you know, it's hard to adopt to that New England way because that's very tough. Coach Campbell, he's not doing anything different, but he's just got the guys to buy in. Detroit has an attitude of like, we're going to smash the Packers. F the Packers. That's how they talked about, you know, my boys, we went to play them twice. And I said, yo, this is what a rivalry is about. It isn't, oh, we're big brother. We're, we own the Bears. Oh, the Vikings, they're kind of good this year. Yeah, we beat them. And the Lions, you're, we're not supposed to lose you guys. No, it's supposed to be a, we hate you. You hate us, we hate you. But we never took that kind of attitude towards our opponents. That's why the Lions will have like a three-win season and one of those wins will be against us while we're going to the NFC Championship game. See what I'm saying? Weird stuff like that. You know? Has, has it been like almost – I don't want to say we've been too good for too long because that's obviously a luxury, like the last 30 years far to Rogers, but it has almost like the team's been complacent to the fact of like, Oh, we have a hall of fame quarterback. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Rely on. Absolutely. 2013 when Aaron threw that bomb to Randall and we won right to, uh, in Chicago at the end of the year mm -hmm. to, um, secure the win division. I was on the bench and everybody was celebrating. I'm sitting there like, I got off the bench slow, and I'm looking around at how heavy everybody is, and I'm like, what the hell are we celebrating about? We almost lost the game yeah, to a team that we were better than. It came down to the last play. You think we're going to do well in the playoffs doing that? Oh, we lost the first round of playoffs. Shocking. Yeah. But I was looked at as the crazy one. I just wanted to see my teammates overachieve like how I overachieved. I was a – Six foot tall, 285 pound D tackle with one arm when I got to Green Bay and became a pro bowler. Three, you know, top 103 times. Cover Sports Illustrated. Like, I wanted guys to, I saw guys that had way more than I could offer physically. And I just wanted them to be able to bring out that type of level of play to overachieve. Because the talent we had on that defense, Cincinnati. Still doesn't have that. And all due respect to those guys, but they don't have four Hall of Famers on their defense. But they still top 10, top five. It's an attitude. When I watched Burfick light those guys up before we played the Redskins in that playoff game, we played the Redskins in the playoff game in the 2015 season. And when I remember watching that 49ers-Bengals game, I said, holy crap, that's how a rivalry game is supposed to look. Yeah. Coach McCarthy used to put up signs that said division week whenever we played one of them. And I would get I would get pissed. Like, why do we got to remind the guys it's a division game? They should already know. Hey, we got the Bears. We hate the Bears. We got the Vikings. We hate the Vikings. We got the Lions. We hate the Lions. Because I tell you, when I was in Cincinnati, they didn't have to put no signs up to let us know we was playing the Browns, or they called them the shit stains, the Steelers, they called them the Squealers, and the Ravens, who they called the Turkeys. <laughs> we didn't need no signs about playing the Packers. Or the Vikings or the Bears. Patricia said, because I guess the Vikings had a lot of sacks against them the year before. He said, yo, we ain't going to let this be like last time. That was embarrassing. And we need to respond. Playing against the Bears, it was like, yo, this is the team we know we need to beat in our division. And the Packers, it was like, if I swear to God, if we don't beat these guys, I don't care who they have. We're tougher than them. We're tougher than them. Who who on this defense right now do you think could step up in that role to be that person to try to motivate them? Oh my God, you got 
a handful of them. You got a handful of them. Jair, right? But okay, you got to start from the front, the big guys, right? You got Rashawn, Gary, and Kenny. Yeah. Dogs. You got my big boy from uh, that big nose tackle kid. What's his name? TJ uh, Slayton. Slayton. You got Slayton. Dog. You got both them linebackers. Quay Walker's a little, you know, I love that. <laughs> you need that. I love that guy. I can't wait to meet him. So I can tell him, yo, it's okay. Keep being like that. Yeah. Just, you know, pick your battles. You know what I'm saying? Like, no winner. <laughs> you know, yeah. make sure you kind of know how not to get the flag on you, right? Make it make it push a player, not an yeah. athletic trainer. Push a unit. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and and then you got Jair. And uh, is, is Rasul still there, Douglas? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have guys that have that dog in them, who have that. And I'm sure there's a bunch of guys who I don't even know that have that in them, too. Yeah. Yeah. We we are we are officially at Act One of Rocky Three. We are Rocky. He has lost to Clubber Lang because this Packers team has lost the Eye of the Tiger, baby. We need the Eye of the Tiger back. So in a way, my you know I had a buddy of mine tell me, or no, my brother. He said, "Yo, honestly, I see Green Bay going back to the Super Bowl." Once, like, the Aaron Rodgers era is over. And I said, man, you don't do drugs. Why'd you start today? <laughs> he said, no, think about it. You guys had him, and you guys have always seemed complacent. And I was like, I remember BJ Rodgers said that my first year. He said that the Coach Turgo, like, I think we kind of, after the Super Bowl, kind of became like fat cats. That's why we couldn't get over the hump, even though we were 15-1. You know? And we kind of got a little like, oh, Aaron's got it. And um, that, I, I saw it. And now I understand we have a great quarterback. It makes things easier. But on defense, we're supposed to make his job easier. Not the other way around. That's how dominant defenses think. Or, coach, you know, like when coaches and players have the attitude of like, we're going to be a dominant defense. I used to get called a loud mouth. I talked to him all that. I just wanted the guys. I just wanted us to be one of those badass defenses that people were afraid of. The same way that, you know, I used to hear the, the chatter about Seattle and, and Detroit. And, you know, we got to play the Bengals. You know, I'm like, I want people to say that like, damn, we got to play the Packers. And it started to get to that point because when I went to other teams, guys started to say, yo, man, on defense, you guys were up front. You, Raji, guy, and then y'all. We, Roger was going and we were celebrating. Then this freaking kid named Clark comes in. You guys were tough. Not to mention all the dudes off the edge. He had a rotation of just monsters. Peppers, Matthews, Clay, Perry, uh, Jones, Jaron Elliott. Like, just dogs. So now it's like, what's going on? You know? It's just something I've noticed. It's just a thing that's been a thing over there, no matter who's the coordinator, mm -hmm. seemingly. Do you think they have to switch? Uh, I don't know. We don't want like people lose their jobs and calling for that, but like switching out Barry for someone that is like looking at the Dan Campbell type, someone to get that crazy out of the players. Like, do you think that has to be the switch because the talent's there? Do they just need someone that can get that like aggressiveness out of the players more than what's going on right now? Or is it just overall just has to change? It doesn't matter who's DC. 
I think overall it has to change. It doesn't matter who's DC. Because once again, we're talking three DCs now with the same the same talking points. Like yeah. I see my name trend, like not trending, but I'd see some mention. I'd be like, who's talking about me? I'm not, I'm not playing. And it'd be Packer fans like Mike Daniels said this before. I'm like, said probably what? me. Well, I, I, right. And I'll click back <laughs> and it'll be like Penny said something or somebody on defense like, we need to be more dogs up front. Or we need to have more dogs on defense. We need to play tougher on defense. I'm like, you're still saying that? You guys still saying? I thought that changed. Yeah. Um, Mike, I want to I want to flip gears here for a minute. Sure. Sure. Move away from like Packer stuff to to your career. You talk mm-hmm. about you know, when you go to Detroit, Cincinnati, Green Bay, who's the craziest badass you ever played with? Like the guy that was just ab- absolutely out of his mind. Besides okay. you, of course. Besides yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I definitely <laughs> take the cake. If I met another crazy man, I was going to out-crazy him. Just, <laughs> I'm just like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I love want to the watch crazy guy Mexico. saying, Mike Daniels is crazy. Good. I'm doing my job. So. You and Sue um, would have been crazy together. That would have been fun oh, to watch. Man, oh, if wow. I'd have played with Sue, that wouldn't have been fair. They would have locked us up. <laughs> um, so let me see. Uh Gerard Davis from the Lions. He was he was he was touched. But <laughs> such a, you know, such a peaceful human, except for when he got on the field. You know what I mean? Uh Sean Robinson, he was he wasn't a nice individual. I loved him for that reason. You saw him fighting Trent Williams, right? Uh-huh. Um, and if you're going to fight Trent Williams, you know, you, you I automatically respect you because outside of me, I've never seen nobody try to do that. Because um, my thing was, if you got whoever, who's the badass on your team? All right, I'm gonna go. I want to go. Fi- I want to go fight him. I, I, I want to pick a fight with him. Like, yeah, we're, we got we got tough guys over here too, bro. You know what I'm saying? And now that's where mutual respect comes in, right? Um, let me see. Cincinnati. Trey Hendrickson's got some crazy to him. So does DJ Reader. He's kind of like a silent killer, though. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. kind of scary, you know? <laughs> uh, and Sam Barrington and Haha. They were both like nuts, you know? They were they were they were nuts. And Clay. Clay Clay, something ain't right with Clay. <laughs> something ain't right with him. You know, I think that's genetics over there. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> you that's know, so. oh, and then there's some guys that you know didn't really play a lot. You know, like a guy like Robert Francois, you know, Austin Calitro, um Victor Ayewa. Like there, there's guys that really didn't play a whole lot that oh boy, you know. <laughs> Francois, <laughs> Robert Francois, bro. I, I'm st- I'm still shocked, like why he wasn't somebody's Mike linebacker somewhere. You know, so Just yeah, there, there, there was a handful of guys. What's the difference that you see between like those those types of guys on on defense, but then like there's also some guys on offensive lines that are like that. Like Elton Jenkins is one when you were talking about going to fight the baddest dude on the other team. Like it, it I, I don't know that necessarily he approaches it as like, we're going to fight, but somehow he gets under the skin, like him and Aaron Donald, like that he's 
managed to make Aaron Donald his child. So, so here's the deal. Well, I can't say that because Aaron Donald had bruised ribs, which if you ever experienced that, you ain't going to be you. So let us have this one, Mike. Let us have this one. <laughs> no, no, I'm not taking away from Elton. At the end yeah. of the day, if you're hurt and you go on the field, whatever happens to you, that's, that's on you. If you're hurt and you look like you're somebody's child that normally you probably wouldn't be, hey, bro, that's when they turn the film, it's not going to say you had, you know, injuries, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's just the reality of this all. Um, let, let me see. Uh, so um, Elton. He definitely, he, he, he's got it. You know, so the question you asked me, if just backtracking here, is what guys on offense have I seen with it? Or, or kind of what's the difference? Because I don't think we really see the aggression from offensive guys. Oh! Like, you can see crazy Dude, defensive players. Let me tell you like, something. Okay, that guy's crazy, but you don't Go see that. Go watch that Carolina and um, New York game from 2015. A lot of people learned that day, Odell Beckham, he's not just some Hollywood star pretty boy. He'll come and block you and try to knock your block off. So because a lot of that shows up in blocking, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see the O-line just mauling a guy. Just like a Trey Smith, right? Because he has open field smashes on linebackers, you know. Um, that's like, that's when you start to notice. That's when O-linemen get their reputation. That's why it pays to kind of run downfield and get some blocks. Because if people, that's how Jason Kelsey, people started noticing him in that Chip Kelly scheme because he was sprinting downfield in the screenplays. And I'm from the area. Everybody was saying, we got to center that Kelsey guy. He's running downfield. And I'm like, so what? But to a fan, that's impressive looking. Like, yeah, O-linemen running downfield to go clean somebody's clock. He's running stride for stride. People like Darren Sproles, that's impressive. And let's show McCoy. See what I'm saying? So, uh, but it's because it normally happens in blocking. And then, like, uh, like if you watch Isaiah Pacheco run, that's the closest thing to Adrian Peterson I've ever seen. I'm not saying he's AP. I'm saying he runs with that type of intensity. Like he's running with, like he's. It looks like he's screaming when he's running. Mm -hmm. That would be the defense. That would be the offensive equivalent. Up to like a um, you know, crazy linebacker guy. He will be the offense equivalent, you know, the way he runs, right? So if you watch a running back run like him and Adrian Peterson or Marshawn, that lets you know, oh yeah, that guy, okay, that's he he will be a smack, a big hitter on defense, right? Um, then then you look at like an old lineman who's just finishing guys through every play, like he's like Lucas Patrick was like that, right? Yeah. I don't know if Lucas Patrick will be an all pro, but he's going to play a really long time and beat people up and make them hate him. Elton Jenkins is like that, right? Now, TJ Lang was a tough guy. He was the, oh, yeah, where's Sue at? I want to fight him. See what I mean? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, it just. It comes out differently. It's it's more, it's a little more subtle. Exactly. And one of the best blocking receivers I've ever played with was Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is literally in a street fight, blocking his corner. You I know, we're about to get a, a story no one heard before. I was like, he was in a street fight. That's, That's a story about <laughs> that. I wouldn't be surprised if I heard it, but he, he's a good citizen. But on the field, yeah, Rand, Rand, the, Randall, Randall going to block you to the ground. 
the main streets of Green Bay at Schwabenon, Wisconsin. Um, yeah. uh, I want to I want to highlight a question here. Johnny Barks threw into the to the chat. Who was your favorite defensive coordinator that you played for, Mike? I, I think I'll open this up to your whole career: college, high school, yeah. NFL. So, one of my my favorite, probably my high school coach, Dominic Tomio. He's currently the head coach at Triton Regional High School in Runnymede, New Jersey, but he was an, a Division three two-time All-American linebacker, and he really just loved my my attitude and my energy, and because that's how he played. And he was young; he was like twenty-four. You know what I'm saying? And he really like really made sure I brought it out of myself. See what I'm saying? I've been blessed to have some really good coordinators. You know, then I go to Iowa with legendary coordinator Norm Parker. See what I'm saying? We get ready to play Georgia Tech, their triple option, and Coach Ferentz says he pulls out a folder from 1970-something saying, I got your triple option right here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, old game plans. And then uh, he had a quote called Six Seconds of Hell because we time certain plays it average out to six seconds. Give them six seconds of hell every play on defense. That's it. And at Iowa, we were known to be one of the top D lines, top in defense. I just saw, I think they the last four years in the last game against Wisconsin, I'm not sorry, guys, we beat you guys, all right? Uh, the, la <laughs> uh, the commentator said, that's why outside of Georgia, Iowa's been the best defense in college football the last four years. You know? Um, and that's just the Iowa way, really. Then I get with Dom, who's a Hall of Fame coach. Dom knows Dom. Dom took an expansion team and almost took them to the Super Bowl in their first year. You know, so he Dom knows what he's doing. That's a great coordinator for me to cut my teeth with. Then Mike Pettin, he Mike Pettin's from that Rex Ryan tree, bro, and he bought that to Green Bay, and that was very fun playing in that scheme. Very fun. Very fun. You see, once he had a second year with with it, it it, it took off. You know, um, I really, I really enjoyed Matt Patricia. And it's funny because it, it's so funny. A guy can be amazing as a coordinator, but then as a head coach, now there's so many more moving parts. And it's like, it almost takes away from how great they are at what they do well or what they did. Right. And. He's one of many guys that went through that, you know, but Matt, that was my boy. Matt, like he was, he was a hard ass. I'm a hard ass. You know, that's why I wanted to go play for him. And I mean, people were telling me, you know, it's going to be hard over there. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm used to. That's, that's what makes me comfortable. See what I'm saying? And then Lou Anarumo, Lou Anarumo, he, like I, like I said, man, top five defenses with not even the iota of the talent we had in Green Bay. Top five defense. He's getting it done. He's getting it done with those guys, man. And it don't matter who's in the lineup. If you watch those Cincinnati games, you'll see guys that's like you're flipping through the program like, who is this dude? Third, fourth, fifth on the depth chart, making big plays every week in Cincinnati games. He seems Critical to make adjust plays. adjustments well, too. Like, especially like halftime, he seems to like – or maybe that's just appearance for like dumb fans like me, but it seems like 
are there mid game adjustments that he makes that were that do well? Cause I think about the chiefs game in the playoffs, like it was a big switch. It seemed at halftime. It was like that in the chiefs game. Um, the, the year we went to the super bowl, it, it was like that in the chiefs game during a week, uh, the second to last week of the season. Same thing, same thing, same exact thing. They go up three scores going into the half. We come out, shut them down. And if AFC championship game, they go up three scores in half. We come out, shut them down. He, whatever you're doing well on offense, you better be ready to switch it up because Lou's going to make you spin your wheels. And I would say by far, he's the best coordinator that I played with. And I played with some great ones. Yeah. Excuse me. Norm Parker was the best one. Professionally, Lou, he he does not get talked about enough. Hopefully, after this year, he can be, you know, talked like in the same realm as the Spagnolas and um, these other guys, uh, Dom and whatnot. I, like he, Lou's name needs to be in that pot. Huge Lou on the room of fan. So I have... Uh, two questions for you, and I see one in the chat that I do want to ask you before, more of a, a not football one, but you were talking about Matt Patricia being really good at his craft, being the defensive coordinator, but head coach maybe being a little too... Adding in that extra responsibility kind of changes that. Do you see that maybe a little bit... Uh, I love Matt LaFleur as a coach, but do you think that's possibly a thing of like, LaFleur is a very good offensive coordinator but maybe a head coach might be a step too high for just too many responsibilities added onto that. So it takes away from his craft as an OC. I think, and I would have to do my research. So I'm about to pull something out of my hat right now. That's what we all do. So we're good. Oh, good. I'm on the the other side of the thing, right? I kind of say what I want now, right? (laughs) We're we're a research free (laughs) podcast, Mike. Right. Good. good. Look at us, Mike. Do we look like we're, yeah. So I would say that um, I wonder how many great head coaches were really great coordinators. See what I'm saying? Or were they just good coaches? Then they got a chance to kind of run a team. And now they know how to handle all those moving parts. You know? Yeah. I'm very curious. Now, Belichick, we knew he was phenomenal with defense. We knew that. Right. He just. He's he's different, right? But I wonder how many of these guys were like the elite coordinators when they were coordinators, or if they were like just you know good coordinators, which you know puts them top ten, top fifteen, right? I wonder how many of them were like the top three coordinators or like top fifteen. You know, how we see so many guys say, "Hey, this guy should be a head coach." Should he really? You know? Yeah, kind of like uh, I guess on the other side too. Belichick a great defensive but like Deshaun McVay would be an anomaly on the offensive side like great yeah. coordinator turned into a coach but that might not be for everyone but it yeah, yeah. That's, it, that's a good point it's a different ball game it's a different ball game and it's funny because I remember you know people didn't necessarily um agree with Patricia in in Detroit some just didn't even like him for real and I could see why you know from players perspective but when you talk to anybody that played in New England they all loved him so now it's like, wow, how are you loved as a coordinator? But then guys like can't stand you as a coach, you know? And that's also another thing. Like it, there's so many different, there's so many different moving parts when you're a head coach. 
that people can even get the wrong idea of you as the guy beyond the coach. Yeah. I did uh I did have one more a, a defensive one going back to the Packers. Uh we had the opportunity a few times to interview Kenny Clark on here and he did mention you as someone that had like a big big impact on him um as he was like coming into the league on the Packers like what like when he came in like what was some of the stuff that you kind of try to pass on to Kenny and like seeing him now obviously he flourished the top guy on the defense. Like what are some of the things that you try to teach well, him? The top as of the a, league. Yeah. What I really tried to instill in him was the work ethic, right? I called him and Dean when they both got drafted, Lowry, and I said, yo, right now there's a gap between us, and I'm going to work my butt off to increase the gap between us. I'm going to keep widening the gap, so you better catch up. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? And... I would have Kenny, like, I would do extra lifts. And I said, Kenny, you're going to get this extra lift with me. Let's go. Let's go. One offseason uh, towards the end of OTAs, <laughs> 2017, and I grabbed Kenny. I, I had made the whole deal. I'm like, yo, we're going to have a nice, long, sled push session today, fellas, before we go on vacation. And me and Ricky Jean Francois, we made them boys push them sleds. Kenny and Dean, and I think Montrevis was with us as well. But we pushed them sleds, baby. We pushed them. And my thing with Kenny was just getting the most out of him. His first practice, I seen him kind of dicking around a little bit, kind of laughing, you know, and I went and I just ripped him a new one. I let him know, like, bro, we're going to rely on you. We're going to need you. Now, some people probably say, oh, there goes Mike, you know, being all extra stuff. But I'm like, no, because I actually give a, I actually care. You I actually care. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I actually care. When I care, I'm going to tell you the hard truth. And I let him know, bro, you can't come here screwing around. We're going to need you, bro. You're a first round pick. And that was my thing with him. I just wanted to teach him everything that I could teach him. Plus, he was a wrestler. So I understand there was things he was going to get that other guys didn't get as easy. And I'm like, yo, I'm here to help. Up until I was out the door, man. Period. And even then, I was still calling check on him. I called him after the Thursday night game. You know? Because I just didn't like the way that people were talking about the defensive line. And I called him just to kind of give him some encouragement and, you know, just try to pass him some sound wisdom. You get what I'm saying? And that's what it's called being a teammate, being a brother. Right? Being a brother. Yeah. And that I love that man. That's 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 my brother. I'm not gonna say that's my little brother, you know what I mean? But that's my <laughs> younger brother. See what I'm saying? And that's my dog, that's my boy, man. You know, and I'm so happy to see him succeeding the way he succeeded. You know, so he's um I just try to teach him everything I knew. Everything I learned the hard way, I tried to teach him it. So he could just not learn the hard way and just, you know, take off. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. He's only 28. I feel like he should be like at least mid thirties at this point. Like <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's been around man. for so long. He was 20 when he started playing his first NFL yeah. game. So he'll be around for a while. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, um, seriously, this has been one of the best interviews we've done. It's the energy you brought was absolutely fantastic. And you've been very gracious with your time. 
I want to wrap up with one question, completely non-football related, because yeah. I'd be absolutely remiss if I was talking to Mike Daniels and I didn't talk a little anime. Uh, yeah, let's go, baby. Let's go. Hey, we can extend this episode if you want. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. I I want to get I want because and this is and this question came up in the chat from multiple different people, so it has to be asked. Your take on sort of the trend of these live action anime remakes, like specifically, everyone wants to know about One Piece. Um, you know, Cowboy Bebop was sort of the one of the predecessors. What do you think about your your thoughts on the live action remakes? And do we need what's the next one? What's the next IP that needs a live action remake? One piece. From what I saw, and I haven't really got all the way into it, but from what I saw, yeah, that that is the template. Mm -hmm. Right there. That's the template. It's not going to be all the way to code. We know that, right? But it's close enough. Close enough. It's like infinitely close. And that's what we want for it to be infinitely close. Where it gets so close where it will never truly be it because it can't because it has live action. So there's limitations. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like what I've seen from the One Piece. And I think the next IP, I'll say this. The biggest one everybody wants to see is Dragon Ball, right? Right. And what I say with that, one that has to be a three-part movie or just has to be a series, but not like a episode-to-episode -episode series, but more like the OVAs where it's like, right. you know, this one is a 45-minute episode, 55-minute episode, 45-minute episode, 55-minute episode, hour and 20-minute finale. See what I'm saying? And I think that's how you do Dragon Ball Z. Right, Dragon Ball through Dragon Ball Z, and that's one thing that shouldn't get done. I think that should be the next one, but it shouldn't be done until we get. I would like to see, so I can't say it should be the next one, but I would like to see a couple more get done before that one gets put in. Because in order to do that right with this rabbit fan base, who are many of them are all in their 40s, 30s, and late 20s now, right? You're going to have to do that right. So let the experience and let some of these other IPs make some of the errors that Dragon Because when Dragon Ball comes, it has to come and it has to hit. It has to be like the Avengers. It has to hit out the park. It has to. Because no matter what, people will look at it and say, oh, that's just as bad as Dragon Ball Evolution. Right. And was, right. So, um, also, that has to be done while Toriyama Sensei is still alive, too. So, mm. but I honestly, I feel like the next one should be Naruto. Yeah, Naruto for real. I think Naruto following the same format that I said with the Dragon Ball Z, but obviously, maybe like I say, like maybe 10 or 12 episodes, you know. But I think Naruto has to be the next one because I think that can be done right. Once again, this is more so about the um fan base because naruto's fan base is going to be a little more forgiven dragon right. ball fan base like i said you have a lot of grown men 
who are paying Netflix subscriptions, who are taking time out from being with their wives or wives being with their husbands <laughs> and being from their kids to watch this. This is what they're going to show their kids. Look at what I used to watch when I was a kid. You can't screw it up. They're going to be the one that they show their parents who's still living. Yo, mom, dad, look, look, remember you used to buy me the Goku thing, right? So you can't screw it up because this fan base are a bunch of middle-aged to adult to young adults. You can't, you, you got to do that one right. And somebody said Demon Slayer, Demon Slayer has to be done, but in a, it has to be a horror. Mm. Horror over action. That will make Demon Slayer. Mm -hmm. Because the anime is the, the way the music and the uh, the animation for it and the character design is very unsettling. And that's why Demon Slayer works. Same with Jujutsu Kaisen. There's an unsettling nature to it, right? So in order to do Demon Slayer, it has to have a horror movie type of feeling. Like the every demon, no matter how weak they, they appear, they have to be very, very menacing. Menacing. Remember the old Resident Evil games, the zombies were like cannon fodder, right? Now, when you play the remakes, each zombie is like a legit threat. You play that Resident Evil 2 remake, that Resident Evil 3 remake, those zombies are legit threats now. It's not like, hey, I got a shotgun, I'm going to shoot four of them dead and one of them is going to lose their torso and crawl towards me. No, it's like, yo, each zombie I see, holy crap, there's a zombie. Oh my God, what do I do? See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's how Demon Slayer's got to feel. So I think... I think Naruto's next. I think Demon Slayer should be after Naruto as like a switch up as a horror. And then I think you go into Dragon Ball for that. Nice. I am nominating officially Mike Daniels as the John Favreau of the the, the anime cinematic universe. I was gonna say I'll we take, should just clip him. He'll, he'll put himself in the movie to Netflix. Mike Daniels is Piccolo. Also <laughs> That's the, right. the the main That's guy, right. the, everything. That's <laughs> um, right. Mike. Like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, man. Uh, seriously, you know, you mentioned the love that you had for for us here in, in the media. We're we're on the bottom rung of media here in Green Bay. It all counts. Um, it all counts. But but man, seriously, the the love goes a hundred percent back the other way. I think I think there's not a Packer fan that was alive in the last ten years that doesn't love the Mike Daniels era. Seriously, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Definitely. Have a good night, Mike. Thank you. You too. Holy crap. I am ready to run through a goddamn brick wall. <laughs> it is 930 Eastern, and I am ready to just – I'm going to jump out my goddamn window and run laps around my house. <laughs> I, I told Des before this interview, I was like, I haven't been nervous for an interview because Mike's like top five – all that's time favorite I, to, I, I was like, I, I'm, I haven't been this nervous for an interview in a long time. That's exactly what I, was, I told I so before the show. I might, I might watch anime. Like, <laughs> he might have just convinced me to start watching anime. I don't know if it's more convincing or I'm just terrified that, like, if I don't, he might just show up and I, it's, <laughs> he'll make you. I feel like there's going to be an anime quiz at some point in my future given to me by Mike Daniels, and I can't fail that. <laughs> So yeah, I got it. Now I got to spend my night figuring out where to start. Crunchy roll, man. Hit up crunchy roll. That's yeah. the per That's the way to start. Um, I don't, yeah. 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 Just, me, it's jump, like a Netflix for uh, anime. If you don't know yeah, what that is. Just jump, jump in baby. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, well, shit, guys. Like, it's, it's the end of the show. I don't know if we're going to roll do bar bets and end it. Let's just go to the bar bets and end this, man. We can't top any. There wasn't anything we were going to fucking talk about. Anyways, the bye week, there's nothing. Um, all right, let's get into bar bets and real quick. The Broncos coming up this week on the road. Um, okay. Some general ones here. Packers offense over under 21 and a half points. Um, I think looking at it, the Broncos are averaging about 26 points a game. The defense is giving up 26 points a game if you take out that the 70 point outlier. So I'm going to put it at 21, 21 and a half points. That's three touchdowns. Does this Packer offense get more than three touchdowns, Jimmy? Yes. I'm at five box yards. Yes. Like we look what the Bears offense did against uh, the Broncos. Yes, we've had some struggles, but this is an historically bad defense to where, mm-hmm. and especially for the running back. So if we have Aaron Jones coming in, I, I see a very big game for him, uh, especially in the passing game too. Like I think it's almost like yards and receiving yards, running backs, both touchdowns for those categories. Like they're historically bad. Um, it should be, <laughs> I, if Mike we'll, Daniels we'll wants to replace it. me, <laughs> I will gladly it. give yeah. up my seat, man. Uh, but no, I, I five box yards over. I think it's going to be a big game for the offense, a bounce back one. Todd. Uh, I'm going to go five box over with a caveat that if Preston Smith lines up across from a wide receiver <laughs> at any point in the game, he gets it's an interception. Like, it's likely that the offense will only score 13 points because that's the problem. <laughs> Five Bakhtiaris over over 21 and a half points. I hate I hate my life so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt bad the other day that Nagler got drugged into this. <laughs> when he was so, like, wait, wait, I don't remember saying this. And I was like, un- no, no, Dan. Unsuspecting, <laughs> like just stepping on a rake. Um Packers defense over under three and a half sacks. Russell Wilson has been sacked 19 times in six games. And if the offense is able to do what they're supposed to do, that should put the Broncos in a very favorable position for this Packers uh, pass rush. Todd, how do you feel? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. I'm very hopeful that the, the defense comes out feeling embarrassed. Like it's, it's been, hopefully they listen to this interview with Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume that there's a little bit of fire coming out of this one and it's a, a, a team that they can't take lightly. And I think they understand that. And I hope that this buy kind of, got a lot of guys to wake up to that. Um, kind of like Mike said, you know, having Aaron, like that was just a crutch that had been there. And hopefully the way that we w- walked into this buy made these guys realize like, we don't have that crutch anymore. We've got to be the ones to go out and, and do this and, and play a certain type of way. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go five Bakhtiari's on the over. Seriously, though, that Rashawn Gary, three and a half by himself, might just absolutely hit on the over. Um, Once he plays a full game, that's a guarantee, I feel like. Right. Um, I will I will say five Bakhtiari's over as well because, I, it, for me, it's almost more just at this point. We, we know what this team needs to do, and this is the team 
on both sides of the ball that it should be absolutely like no resistance for either side offense or defense to do what they are supposed to do. And so I have to believe that they can do it because if not, what the fuck are we doing? So I have to take the over simply for that fact. Um, Lambo, get the fuck out of here with that that goddamn chat about losing to Denver. We don't. Yeah. We're not listening to that right now. No, absolutely not. Um, the last one here, pretty simple one. Thanks hey, for asking, man. Yeah, I'm gonna go over as well. Five Bakhtiari. Do your uh, fucking job, <laughs> man. Oh, I, I completely <laughs> forgot Jesus that. Christ. That was my bad. Yeah. Sorry, Jimmy. So you want to take five over? Yeah, same thing you guys said. I just want to <laughs> add that cool. in there real quick. Yeah, cool. No, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm used to that from Todd, not you, Dan. Come on. I'm used to I'm used to Todd going last. Anytime I throw my it's it's you my asked fault. him first. Yeah, I that's threw my rhythm off. I I it was my fault. I'm it, I, I know I just foul. had a yell I touched for a the ball. Hey, we're, we're all coming got off, me coach. hyped up. We're all coming off a bye week, even though we still had a show. It's still a bye week. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me a fucking break, man. I'm trying to. I'm coming down off of a cocaine high of listening <laughs> to Mike Daniels tell me how to fix my life over the last half hour. Um, I I might go back to the gym. <laughs> I know. I'm about to text Ted. Hey, Ted. Like I know I told you you could go to the gym after the show. So sorry. <laughs> it's me. Um. Okay, the last one here, uh, it's a bar bet that probably would have made a little bit more sense had we gotten to to talk about anything going on, Packers. But uh, James Robinson signed to the practice squad. Um, We still aren't 100% sure about Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon has not looked great, obviously. And Matt LaFleur's comments today about... Emmanuel Wilson having the skill set just hasn't developed the trust side. Do we see James Robinson active on Sunday? I think what is he just had his first practice today. Is he active on Sunday, Jimmy? Uh, I'm going to go no. I think the big thing that he would be active for would be special teams. I just think with having one practice in, uh, who knows what shape he's in, not saying he's hasn't been working, but I think they'll give him – we're so cautious with players. I don't think we put him in right now. I think we roll with uh, Dylan Jones and Wilson, but I think next week for sure he'll be in. Uh, five Bakhtiaris. The following Jeff, week. Not or Todd. Todd. Uh, I'm going to go with five Bakhtiaris. Yes. Simply because if Emmanuel Wilson hasn't earned the trust, they at least know James Robinson can play in NFL games. They've got an idea of what he's capable of doing, whether it's, you know, just a small page of the scheme or, or, you know, wherever. So I think, yeah, they'll, they'll get him in there and see what they got. Because if they, if they don't have anything with him, if he can't fit in the little bit of, you know, the few plays that they do give like, all right, let's get him out of here and not waste a practice squad spot. Yeah. Um, That that's basically kind of what I'm, what I am. Um, that doesn't I, make me feel good about my choice. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't um, agree with Jimmy because yeah, obviously. you had to pick the lesser yeah. of two evils. I understand. I, I I'll get I'll take five on this one as well. Yes, because like Ty said exactly, if Emmanuel Wilson at this point of the season, especially we're in the bye week, like this is a time where like if if you're gonna make focus on making that progress, like isn't this kind of the the opportunity? And 
when when Matt talked today about that trust, it seemed like it was mostly about kind of that he's got the skill. He he figured that it's it's about recognizing the defensive side of it and and changing his running style or changing what he's doing based on what the defense is showing him. James Robinson knows how to do that. Like Todd said, he knows how to, he doesn't know the plays, but he knows how to run in the NFL. Give him a few plays, just say, hand the ball up. I mean, fuck, run that goddamn AJ Dillon, hand the ball off out of the shotgun to him five times and just see what the hell happens. Do you Um, think, do you think uh, for me, I took this sign in as more of a hopeful limit AJ Dillon carries opposed to Emmanuel Wilson carries? Or do you think it was more so to replace that RB3? I missed what you kind of cut out there. What did, what did you say? It I didn't thought, make sense. Okay. It did. I, I thought I thought this signing was more so to replace some of AJ Dillon's carries. Like this was more of AJ Dillon's not performing. Let's bring in a guy who has performed in the past. Yeah. Hopefully he can move into RB2 rather like I'm saying I don't right. think he's coming in to be the RB3 role uh to take well, over a, uh Emmanuel Wilson's spot. That's well, all I'm right. asking the right way now. That, yeah, the way he's... that the the way that the health has been on this team yeah, like it, it's you might be an RB four today, but you're an RB two tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm saying this terribly, like most things. I'm saying like when they brought him in, do you think it was hey we need an RB three, or do you think the intention is like me that this is hopefully maybe taking over AJ Dillon eventually if he continues this continues this play? I don't know if it's AJ Dillon specifically. I think it's just you know James Robinson is a talent, and they realize that the talent depth that maybe they thought they had at running back, whether it's Aaron Jones health, AJ Dillon production is not there. That's why they were kicking the tires on Jonathan Taylor. And so you bring in a guy, he's going to be RB three to start off with. He's just at the, he's at the the bottom rung now and he might, he might end up staying there, but you know, fuck if, if, if he spurs AJ Dillon to become a better version of himself and James Robinson is your RB three, that's that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. All right. All I was asking. All I was asking. Just asking questions. Okay. Um, let's wrap this up so that I can I can detox and and maybe maybe get. It sounds like I'm going to Arby's. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> Curly fries. <laughs> Curly fries, baby. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to and watching the show. Truly appreciate it. Um, if you haven't done so already, hit subscribe, like the show, share this. Um, if you are a Packer fan, share this with every Packer fan you know, because I, don't, I have not met a single Packer fan that hated Mike Daniels, and Mike Daniels brought the absolute fire today. Um, so thank you again to Mike for stopping by and joining us, taking a lot of time to talk Packers football with us. Um, for Matt, pick it back in the, uh, back in the shadows. For Jimmy, for Todd, again, to the great Mike Daniels for stopping by. I'm your bartender, Dan Kotnick, saying cheers. And as always, go Pack Go. Matt forgot. <laughs>